We are live for another weekly update. Every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific time, I go over the latest headline articles of the week. I also go over any sort of uh, uh, progress that I've made in terms of transactions, some that have closed. I always like to tell the stories of some of my clients. And then we'll do a, di a deep dive in terms of the market update itself. You will see yourself what is actually happening with the market. To give you an idea, a lot of these articles are typically laggard. Now there are some that are somewhat that are that may be forward indicators, and I will point that out. But otherwise, a lot of the things are kind of things that I've actually already highlighted maybe a month in advance because that's when you know if you think about it, a reporter will look at the information, they'll make a report of it. But those are all using older data, so I can give you a sense as to what is going to be happening likely moving forward. But the big news of the week, and this happens every two months. As U.S. CDC announces new 60-day COVID-19 eviction moratorium again. This is indefinite. I mean, unless COVID is actually gone for good, which at that point would bring like a crazy boom cycle for the, the U.S., but I don't think it would be. And so it's kind of almost going to be lingering indefinitely. If you think about it, they announced it to another 60 days. So I think that is to what, October? um i think it's still october then and so yeah i mean by october usually like many of these uh issues it's it seems like it's usually like the the winter time is when it it gets worse again so by october now i think even generally things are a whole lot better than before but still um they're going to keep extending this indefinitely so for those that keep keep waiting for this magical event to happen i would say be cautious there is always a price to pay for patients. Um, and as you have seen throughout the year, a very significant price to pay. So I don't know how much of an impact this would actually have. And now it's been extended again. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it's it's just bizarre because if you can see this, what's crazy is that there was a ton of money that was given to the local states or to the states. Billions of California rental relief dollars left to distribute to tenants at risk of eviction. Well, because there's a moratorium, there is no risk of eviction. So it's like, okay, uh, so the government, so the state doesn't have to issue anything. And so most states are having billions of dollars just sitting around doing nothing. The whole purpose was this for, was for rent relief. But if they don't have to pay for rent relief, it sounds like they may be doing some, potentially some shady things because then they can do something else with that money if it doesn't have to be, distributed later on so really really bizarre um there's clearly people that need help uh there's clearly a lot of money to help people but uh there's got disconnect in terms of are they actually getting the money and they're getting it in a timely manner and but at the same time you know I'm, I'm really mixed when it comes to this and i'd love to get your thoughts i mean i'm sure there are people that are um that are affected and they couldn't uh, you know, make payments. However, you know, you see, and I personally know a lot of business owners are having a huge difficult time to try to even gain people to work with them, whether it's waiters, whether it's staff members, whether it's a lot of jobs, like I'm trying to fill an inside sales agent position and it's hard enough for that. So it's, it's a tell of two stories and it's, it's really difficult to say, is it, is it lazy? And it depends on which side you sit on. Is it just lazy because they have all this money that keeps going to them and they don't have to even pay for rent? So they're getting even lazier because now they don't have 
a cost to be worried about. I'm, I'm pretty torn about this. Um, I'm, I'm kind of actually leaning one side. I think this is this is getting pretty ridiculous, quite frankly, of just all these delays. But as my own personal opinion from generally, like I said, for the most parts, most people can easily just get to work and start making payments again. But, um, but you know, that's uh, my, my personal opinion there. Um, so other news, real estate, big Fremont Tech Campus draws veteran buyers, sites, values, soars. Four building complex is in a section of Fremont that's a tech and biotech hotbed. For those that you know, where did Facebook continue to, where did Facebook grow their campus, which is in the Ardenwood area across from the Dumbarton Bridge? So this area has done very well. It's a combination of lots of tech companies have decided to expand just right across because convenient, it's, uh, from a miles perspective, it's close. Obviously, the bridge itself is, is a different type of traffic, but it's very convenient for a lot of for a lot of companies. You know, San, San Mateo County will be the most expensive county when it comes to homes and when it comes to talent and when it comes to uh, office space. But just right across the bridge is a whole lot less. I mean, we're talking about like maybe half the cost, maybe a third of the cost. It's like a really stark difference. And there's a lot of things happening in that area. It could be Ardenwood. It can also be in the Newark area. So just, you know, it's all kind of proximity with one another. And as more and more grow out there, there'll be more and more companies that may say, hey, look, if they can do it out there, we can do it as well. So, and I know many of you probably work in this area, especially if you work at Facebook and you're not like on the engineering side of things, uh, Newark is a big uh, overflow and space for like admin related uh, positions, non-engineering types of jobs. Now, what are other news? This also shows big signs of like, hey, look, people are pretty, um, are pretty aware of uh, the opportunity for a lot of these uh, office space. So for those of you know, this is off of 237. Um, this is the Micron building Z scaler from a long time ago. People that are familiar, Brocade had this space for a long time. And the Brocade got acquired a couple of years ago, and then they eventually had it vacant for some time. And the Micron took over. I think they just may have moved from like San Jose to San Jose. Um, I don't know if it has ever been in use because I think they bought it just or they got the space a, a year and a half ago or so when COVID first started. But it's very important for you all to understand KKR is a very large private equity firm. And private equity firms, what do they do? They acquire space because they see an opportunity to add in value for that space. And so why are, they do, why are they doing that for these types of office buildings? Do they know something you don't know? Probably the answer is yes. So they're still very bullish on prime real estate, which is in the Bay Area. So KKR paid $535 million for the office space. Remember, these guys are, I don't know if they're vultures is the right word, um, but I would say they're opportunistic. And if they see opportunities, in the Bay Area because of office space, because of all this commotion that things may not, uh, people don't want to use space anymore, then I think it makes it interesting. Like these big, big money is now chasing, um, chasing this type of asset type of property. Georgina, thank you so much for tuning in. It's always greatly appreciated. Uh, hope you are enjoying the work. Now, home prices are still rising, but relief for buyers is coming. Price growth should fall to single-digit increases by June of 2022. I do not disagree with this. 
I think a lot of the bull run was in initially. There's a lot of movement back and forth, right? I mean, a lot of panic, a lot of excitement, a lot of money earned and generated. Take a look at most people's uh, stock portfolio. Like look at their companies, a lot of IPOs, a lot of money has been created and very little opportunity to actually spend it, right? I mean, you, most people can barely even leave the country right now to even go travel. Many don't even want to leave the country. So a lot of those expenses are gone, especially a lot of like events, maybe starting to shut down again, kind of sucks. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I agree with this. I don't think there's going to be a decline. Whether, we're, whether or not uh, the moratorium ends, I think it would just help buyers because I think a lot of buyers have certainly given up. Hit a like, send me a comment. Record note, share with your friend. How many, how many people you know have given up? I know at least 10 in the last few months because a lot of people got spooked. Now, some people don't want to, you know, some people think that there's going to be some magical correction and others are okay with it. This year, I've already helped 35 families buy a house. So it's certainly very, very doable and it's very predictable. But some psychologically think there's going to be some recession or some correction. This is the opportunity right now, right? If you compare it to the last six months, the growth has been 25% for, for single-family homes. I don't think it's going to be like that anymore. I think I don't think it's going to be a decline either. I think it will be a slight increase. So a single-digit increase is a very good sign. It makes it also very predictable. Think about the concern when it comes to uh, high growth. There's a psychological concern that people say, oh, it's, it's a bubble. Everything is... We all know what happens. Everybody all of a sudden has this crystal ball, um, you know, that comes out of their pocket. You know, they're, they're expert economists and experts about real estate all of a sudden. So there's that one illusion. And the other difficulty is uh, having the required funds or being okay with the required funds for additional down payment for an appraisal risk. Now, there, quite frankly, there's a lot of ways to mitigate that because you can buy up to a 2 to $3 million home, actually a $3.5 million home right now for 10%. So the actual risk of that is extremely low if you were you know, educated about options with your lender. So there are many options available out there, but this is going to be very beneficial because I think over time as leases get starting to get renewed again, people may say, hey, look, the market is fairly flat or predictable. Let's go back in because a lot of people are just renting again because they have such psychologically given up. So for anyone, any of those that have psychologically given up, share this video with them. Hit that like button. Make sure you hit subscribe. I do this report so that people can visually see what is happening. And I will show you the data as well. So that way you can see for yourself what is actually happening. Uh, fortunately, I don't have your name. But yes, KKR are hunters. And that's, the, that's what private equity is, right? I mean, make no mistake. They're trying to – they're trying. they see assets that – either can be a value add or it could be repositioned and they're going to try to make an exit and make money. I mean, that's what private equity is. They're basically a massive flipper. I mean, no, no way about that. I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's really just a massive flipper, a very premium flipper, but massive flipper. Larry, thank you so much for tuning in. Not sure what a chill W cat is. Um, chill with cat. She'll have no idea what that is, but uh, thanks for tuning in. Okay, the last thing I want to cover in terms of the news is foreign buyers are avoiding American homes. Out-of-country buyers purchased only 107,000 properties in a 12-month span. Foreign buyers purchased $54 billion worth of U.S. existing homes. 
a 20% decrease from the previous 12-month period. Now, why is this? There, there are several main reasons for this. Number one, I mean, none, like there's while there's people that have been more flexible to be able to buy a house, basically sight unseen, it's not a majority. And of course, a majority of people also wants to be out in, you know, they want to go see the home and then make a purchase that way. So because travel is completely restricted, yes, it make it made sense. You're actually, I'm also you're also ultimately a little bit surprised that there's still this much volume that has happened, even though there was like no uh, travel in place. Now in the Bay Area, there isn't that many uh, home purchases from international places. So look, take a look at this. For the 13th straight year, Florida remained the top destination for foreign buyers, accounting for 21% of all international purchases. Now I'm sure a lot of this is could be, I mean, you know, Miami has done very well. Uh, it has been open, so that certainly helps, but it also has a lot of people maybe from South America, from Europe that have bought out there. You can see California is ranked second at 16%. And take a look at the, the, the actual buyers. China and Canada remain first and second in U.S. residential sales dollar value at 4.5 and 4.2 billion. India, which you know is still doing fine, but hasn't done as well from their currency perspective, 3.1 billion. Now, this is not a lot in terms of the overall market. Like I personally don't see very much in the Bay Area of people buying. I, I see a lot of Chinese investors buying in places outside uh, of the Bay Area for whatever reason. Now, it, it also depends on what the classification of foreign buyers means. Like, for example, we have a lot of foreign people here, right? People on visas, people that work at big tech. I mean, a lot of people are working in these big tech companies that are not a U.S. citizen. So I think that also gets counted. So those, of course, are, are buying locally. There's a lot of, uh, you know, they want to settle down, have roots, settle down here. They have very good good jobs, very stable jobs. Uh, I mean, just look at all the earnings reports that you saw over the last weeks is crazy. So they have very, very stable jobs, very good income. They like the American lifestyle. They want to settle down here, grow their family. So it's a great thing to see. And so we're seeing a lot of that that's uh, in the area, but not so much of like, really foreign you know buyers that are not even living here and just like squatting on money uh or squatting on a home that's not that's not really happening um so i'm not, I'm not even expecting or, or anticipating any of that going on bobby thank you for tuning in uh do you expect some do you expect more inventory to hit the market after moratorium ends uh you know if you caught in the beginning of the show i think there should be i mean how can there not be right at the same time how much of a meaningful impact is it I don't think it's going to be that much. Um, the pain in the Bay Area is very different than the pain in other areas. So I think it will certainly help. Uh, but I don't know how, you know, I'd be surprised if it doesn't help. That'd be crazy. That means nobody wanted to sell. Uh, but so I'd be very surprised if it doesn't help. But I don't think it'll be that much of a meaningful impact to start swaying the market. I think those are two very different things. Uh, and if you think about it, the moratoriums for rental properties. Right. So think about where the rental properties are. Now, they could be in prime areas. Maybe um, they could also they could also be in areas that had more distress. So think about it. The ones that can't make the payments, are they usually in prime areas? Probably the answer is not, because if they're able to afford that kind of rent to begin with, it wasn't something that was that affected, quite frankly, with COVID. I think people need to grasp that in their head. So if you're looking at prime areas like a San Mateo County, Santa Clara County, in, in good areas, 
I think it will have a much less impact because those rent rolls were always for people that can that can actually already buy a house. To be to be fair, those individuals that are paying the four to five thousand dollars a month in rents, that's not a fast food worker. That's not a service based industry, right? That's a that's a tech worker. That's a very well paid engineer or even executive that is paying those numbers. So that is something to be mindful of of the impact. So I think the the primaries will have a less impact. And then the places further out, maybe like the East Bay that are cheaper because their rent is lower, then they are more subject to more swings. And it has always been that way. Uh, Georgina, Sunnyvale seems to be stabilizing. Is that your experience? Um, I think it's tricky. Uh, let's let's go over the market update and um, let's point out. Let's just jump right into Santa Clara County. So Santa Clara County... Um, as you can see, there's 456 new listings a week, 436 contingent pending. You can see that the prices have declined. Now, August, we're a little bit early. I suspect this will be up again, but it may be a lower again than July. So when I'm telling about people, the opportunities of the, the opportunities of like, it was obviously a high growth in the last six months, but if they look at this data, there's two ways for people to interpret this and be sure to hit that like button. Be sure to share with friends. What's your bet? And I love to, and that everybody has their own opinion. Some will say that we'll just keep going lower. I don't think so, but I think it has declined and will stay lower than the previous highs. And so stabilizing is a interesting word because it's just one month of data, right? Because it's, you know, July figures from June. Uh, I have a listing that uh, went pending this last week. And 986nettle, check a look, 986nettle.com. You can see for yourself, uh, or you can see that property. It's a three-bed, three-bath, 1637-square-foot home. We listed at 2 million. We had 50 groups come in, 5-0, 50. 50 groups that came into that property. So, uh, and then we sold it. You know, we're pretty happy with the results. It's predictable. Um, it's we're, You know, we're very, very happy. Let's just say that. And so it gives you an idea. I don't know if there's, I think prices are a little bit stable, but it seems like the traffic is still very high, even in the cooler month of, you know, July and August. So that's what I think. Now, Bobby, great question. Interest rates can't stay low forever. Are you seeing more home buyers in the Bay Area opting for fixed interest rates for their mortgages? It's case by case. Most people are, are opting in for a 30-year fix. I mean, because, you know, if you're a betting person, it's hard to bet, like, over a long period that it'll, it'll stay this low. So why take that risk? And it also depends on the spread, right? So, you know, the spreads are all affected every 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 month, basically, where sometimes a 7-1 arm, which is an adjustable rate mortgage, is very low. Right now, you can get a 7-1 arm for like 2.25%. Crazy. And that's locked up for seven years. Make no mistake. So the thing is, are people going to stay in that house for seven years? If you're not going to stay in your house for seven years, it's like a trade up or it's like a, a condo townhome and you're going to trade up. I would argue probably it's not a good idea to get a 30 year fix. Save that half percent, save that 0.75% a year for that next one in the future, right? If you're going to use it as a trade up. So it's not a black and white answer. But if you were going to stay in it for, you know, indefinitely, then yeah, why not go in at a 30 year fix? So it does depend on the spread. Sometimes a spread of like a 30 year and the 15 year is not that much. So you sometimes it could be like a quarter a percent off. 
So it's all depending on like, what are the available options? What is the time horizon that one is looking for? And then people will make a decision from, from that. Um, but yeah, most people are, are, you know, they may not trade up. They may trade up. They may not trade up. They may also just use it as a investment property in the future. And so with that in mind, uh, they just elect for a 30 year fix. Why not? Right. I mean, 2.75, 3%, 3.25, incredible, incredible figures. So it works very well. All right, let's talk about let's talk about the data itself. San Mateo County, new listings, 195, 175 contingent pending. Look at the figures, right? So as we ended July, you can see the prices have declined from June. Not much, but it has declined a little bit, uh, but it is still the second highest month of the year. We'll see how August plays out. I don't think it's gonna be these low figures. Uh, I think by next week, we'll have kind of half a month of data. We should see this pick back up. My guess is gonna be a little bit higher than May, either flat or if not a small decline of July. So a great sigh of relief. But look at condos and townhomes, right? Different story. It had already declined in June, in July, and now probably in August. So for those that want the opportunity to lock in a place, hard to argue, a good spot. Especially the key is there's been a lot more delays about uh, you know, returning back to the office, which is a very important opportunity for those that want prime areas. Because the thesis was, if you can see back, back in last year, as you can see, all the way to December, it was very dim, right? Just look back at the news articles, look back at to see COVID cases. COVID cases spiked during the winter time frame. So if they spiked during that time, people were very afraid and didn't want to be in these prime areas because they probably didn't have to go to work. But as things have become vaccinated, things have restarted to open up again, then you can see the, the change in San Mateo County. Every county is different. So for those that wanted the opportunity, hard to argue a better time. Don't don't let, don't uh, say I didn't warn you. So, but as you can see, the story is very different for different counties, like Alameda County. Even throughout last year, it didn't decline. It stayed relatively flat for medium prices, but over as things open up, still continue to do well, just like every other place. You can see the remaining time has been relatively flat though. So Alameda County has been very predictable as to what homes will sell for. Just compare homes that have sold in the last two to three months, it will likely sell for something similar. So be mindful of that. Very predictable, very easy for appraisals. Very, very easy to see. Last, uh, next one, San Francisco residential. San Francisco residential, uh, single family has declined. As you can see, it declined in July. So the story is all kind of the same everywhere. I don't know if it is the same with the rest of the country. My guess is it probably is. But most areas had their spring season. Summer tends to be the third month in terms of prices. Uh, fall is usually the next month and then winter is usually the last. But it gives you an idea. Like It's very predictable. So for anyone that keeps saying the market is crazy, I would argue it's, it's dropped already. Get updated with the news. Understand the data and see where things are at. Um, Bobby, on the topic of condos, do you have any insight on property appreciation rates for condos in the Brisbane, San, South San Francisco area? In general, uh, Bobby, condos do not appreciate uh, as well. To give you an idea, the long-term appreciation of, of, of basically, in general, as assets, it's about 6 to 7% a year. And this was the data over the last four decades. Uh, single family does a little bit better. It's kind of skewed on the higher end, maybe about 7%, 8%. Condos will be on the far low end of that, maybe about three, three or four uh, percent over a long period. Uh, condos have not done as well over the recent times. However, 
the caveat for most people is not necessarily about the investment asset of it is because fundamentally, I think people need to understand, they need to understand, um, they need to understand uh, that it's a lot lower to enter in the market. So for example, South San Francisco, I have a couple of clients that bought a place in the Linden, great place. Those are brand new condos and there are no other new condos that have come up, right? And those condos can go from, I think like 800,000 to 1.2 million, maybe 1.3 million. And so those are a great location. And I'm very bullish out of South San Francisco because of obviously all the things that are happening with the biotech scene at Oyster Point. So on one end, it's about the location and it's about convenience. And it's also about you're getting in at a much lower amount. For South San Francisco, for a single family home now, it's like 1.3, 1.4 for a thousand square feet home. And so, you know, do people want to, and it's an old home. Those are like, you know, they're decades old. So do people want to be in that? That's the trade-off, right? So it's not as simple. It's, it's The question is, if you had the money, it's ideally to buy a single family home because they don't build that anymore. It's highly desirable and it will always be desirable because of the land. But condos and townhomes are not bad options. They will still appreciate over, over time, just not as much, uh, but they will appreciate over time. So it's a good starting point uh, for many, or it allows them to get into those areas. Because as you can see, there's a price range and band for every city uh, and different asset classes. And if you can't fit in that band, you're not going to live there. It's very, very simple. So that hopefully helps. Uh, last but not least, when it comes to San Francisco, we look at condos. There's not much townhomes. We look at condos. You can see it, it picked up quite a bit to June. July was a little bit lower, but same story throughout. Let's just wrap up with one last one, which is Contra Costa County. You know, Contra Costa County followed a little bit of uh, the other ones. They, they declined a little bit earlier. You can see June figures were lost in May, and then July is a little bit less as well. So we're seeing this happen across the board. Now, we will see what happens moving forward. I will share my prediction. I think it's going to be flat than anything else. I think it will be flat. I think it's still going to be case by case. Like, for example, I had four listings in July. All of them sold within one week. The traffic was good. We had about, for most, like single family houses, had about 40 plus groups for each one within one weekend. Uh, for townhome, that townhome we had in Fremont, we had a crazy amount of people. So that's different. In Fremont, we priced it pretty low. We had 90 groups come in, 90 groups come in. So that's a little bit different too. Uh, and then my condo in San Jose, we had about oh, 20 groups come in. So you can see there's still a decent amount of people. Um, each each one pretty much had multiple offers. Um, so so it's still active, but I don't I don't I don't suspect things will be crazy. So it's important for both sides, right? If you're on the buy side, share with your friends, right? Have them understand if they've given up, this is a time to come back in. Very predictable. I mean, look at the data yourself. Just share this with them. They can easily see for themselves. Very predictable as to what we'll go for. No need to be psychologically having like PTSD and, and being spooked. A lot of people have had that. So that's why I do this report so people can see that. Um, and then if you're on the seller side, it's important not to be greedy, right? There's plenty of buyers still. Let the market dictate. Let the agent like myself help you skew the band of prices towards the edge. That's my job. That's that's the whole value of, of how I've been able to help 40 families this year is I will help you skew the edges on both sides, on the buy side and the sell side. Everything's on the band of prices, but the, a talented agent like myself will help skew it either way. And so 
But at the same time, it's having realistic expectations. You can't be super aggressive like you can in the past where regardless almost of what price you put it at, you'll get even people to overbid. Now it's very important to understand, be conservative with price, get a lot of traffic, get a lot of people interested, market it well, position it well, and you'll still have a very good outcome. But uh, it's important not to be overly greedy in this environment. Well, I hope this was helpful. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode. It means a whole lot to me. I've been doing this for a year and a half now. It's kind of crazy uh, looking back at things. If you or anyone you know has any questions about the real estate market, please be sure to reach out to me directly. If you're watching this on social media, just DM me. If you're watching this on YouTube, my contact details are below in the description. And of course, if you like this video, be sure to hit that like button, hit subscribe, and I'll see you at the next video. Bye now.